to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Harmony Corinne's The Beach Bum, and I am happy to be joined by uh, two recurring guests who are appearing together for the first time, uh, Lisa Koshbakti. Lisa, thanks for being back. Thanks for having me. It, it was a, sh- a movie about Florida, so I had to kind of squeeze my way in, so thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, like, I couldn't get Lisa to do a second episode of this podcast for like seven months, and now I just can't get rid of her because <laughs> uh, she was she was just uh, too compelled by the beach bum. And I'm also joined by Ben Lubin. Ben, what's up? Thank you. It was a movie about hedonism and poetry, so I had to be here. Yes, uh, The Beach Bum is the newest film from Harmony Conran. It stars Matthew McConaughey as a poet living a very hedonistic lifestyle in South Florida, as Lissa mentioned. And, I mean, I'm not going to, like, try and do some kind of plot summary like I normally do on these things, because that really wouldn't do this movie justice, because that's not really what this kind of... It's not really that kind of movie. It follows Moondog around as he does a bunch of crazy things in the Florida Keys in Miami. He has a very, very, I don't want to say ostentatious lifestyle because he goes into some pretty slummy places, but he doesn't really have to worry about money because he's married to a rich woman played by Isla Fisher. Ben, we could talk a little bit more about the events of this movie, but I uh, suffice it to say there's a lot of drugs, there's a lot of sex, there's a lot of uh, crazy uh, shenanigans, and uh, your letterbox review of this was merely... Uh, this is my Paddington too, and I have an idea of what you meant by that, but I'd like you to elaborate a little bit as to what you did mean by that, because I think I actually have a similar explanation as to how I felt about this movie. Okay, here we go. Um, so I think one of the things that people loved about Paddington 2 last year is it felt like, one, the way they wanted the world to be, a place where kindness reigns and, you know, like love and friendship and happiness wins out in the end and it just made them feel good this was kind of more of what i would want the world to be because it like it's joyful and fun and fantastic but it's with the parts of life that actually feel more vibrant to me the the exploration the adventure the weird griminess the misadventures the the sex, the drugs, the everything. It just it feels honestly more like a world I would want to live in than Paddington 2. <laughs> have you have you thought a lot about what that says about you as a person? Try not to. <laughs> listen, listen, I know you you were intrigued by this movie because uh, you like me are a South Florida resident, even though yeah. we're we're not like living in exactly the area where this happened. It's an area where we probably still spend more time than most of the uh, people that are going to go see this movie. So we at least have some familiarity with this Florida culture. What, what did you connect connect with in this movie? Was it just the Florida of it all? Because it's maybe the, in some ways, it is like the Florida man meme in, reincarnated into a movie? Or is it uh, something else about the movie that you really, really just dug? Definitely. So for me, the film, I feel like a lot of people when they leave Florida, a lot of Florida babies that grew up here, when they leave Florida, you kind of finally realize what a great place you lived in when you were younger. So for me, it resonated with me on that end because not only did like we grow up here and we kind of, you know, in a weird way, like the Florida man meme is something that you like embrace because being from Florida, you're like, yeah, that crazy shit like happens actually almost every other day. And for me, the film, uh, also if you've been to like Key West, I feel like you really like related to 
the vibe of it all and how much fun it is down there. And I actually saw an article that a lot of the Key Westers were like not happy with the representation on film. But I think you like I obviously You mean they weren't thrilled by having their home depicted as a place where you can just walk down the street with a massive bag of drugs or a massive wagon of drugs and not have anyone think twice? Yeah, but I'm sure they're not always watching Harmony films. They they don't they're taking it for face value as him representing Key West like that. But it was so much bigger than that. But for me, just like the Jimmy Buffett songs and seeing Key West and how crazy South Florida is in general really resonated with me. And I'm I'm such a fan of Florida culture and even how embarrassing it is. And you gotta embrace it all. It's embarrassing, it's fun, and it's crazy. And that's literally what that's literally how the beach bum could be described. <laughs> Right. And I guess what, what, what I'll say just for my initial reaction to the movie was, you know, I think I'd been having like a stressful week at work going into it. And, you know, I, I, I didn't really know what to expect going into the movie because I did a pretty good job of not learning much about it. Like I knew it was going to be kind of nuts. I yeah. had seen uh, I had seen Ben mentioned somewhere in, on social media that uh, Martin Lawrence feeds cocaine to a parrot. And <laughs> I thought, you know, like, OK, interesting. And at the same time, I'm. I don't only really, I guess I, I, I try to remember, I don't know if I've seen any Harmony Corinne things besides uh, Kids and Spring Breakers. And both those movies, like a lot of fucked up stuff happens, as does in this one, but there's also like way more of a conflict in each of them than I would say there is in this movie. And I think I kind of like, was it really, really like enjoying myself the first half of this movie? And I was like, man, I'm just having such a fun time. Like, I wouldn't be mad if like this was just the entire movie. I think I felt that at some point, like during the wedding scene. I'm like, all right, yeah. I'm down to just like be in this world and I don't need anything bad to happen at all. And we just keep this going. And if that's what he wants to do with this movie, I'm here for it. So I was like a little worried when, uh, let's just say like, the plot something... really doesn't matter all that the much. The plot doesn't really matter, but something yeah. in this movie does happen that can be construed as like, oh, this looks like it's going to be conflict. And then the movie moves past that. And we can talk a little bit more about that and talk about this movie generally for a few minutes first. And I feel like I get I, I feel like this movie doesn't want to be the kind of movie where you're worried about spoiling it. But, you know, yeah. I, I want people to go see this movie. So if they're tuning in now, I don't want to do anything that might dissuade them from doing so. So I'll just say that this movie, if you're just looking to, like, give yourself over to something and not have to stress, this is that movie. And I greatly appreciated that. Yeah, I'll say on top of like I, I, may, I may say some like philosophical things about this movie later. Yeah. And there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in terms of the form. Mm -hmm. Above all else, this is just one of the most genuinely fun movies I've seen in a long time. It is pure, like, it is incredibly delightful. It is one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. It's just a ton of fun. It really is. I think a lot so, of... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ben. Oh, no, no. That's, 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 that's that point, really. That's no, I definitely agree with you. And I think a lot of the people that had an issue with it took it really seriously, and that's where they came to fall because it's, it's, I mean, it's a surface level film, but like you shouldn't be looking at it that way in a sense too. But the thing with Harmony is like all his films for the, I mean, between like kids and spring breakers, like they're, they're comedies, but in the, the bottom line, it's actually really depressing if you look at kind of what he's trying to portray. And so I think a lot of the issue comes from looking at it surface level and thinking it's a joke because yes, it's like, it's 100% a good time, but, but there's an underlying meaning between it too, you know? Yeah. I'd agree. Yeah, and I'll, I mean, I'll just say on top of all that, because I'm, I'm just going to jump off in a minute and just say people that haven't seen it go away if you don't want to spoil it and come back. But it's a pretty, like, it's everything you want from, like, Matthew McConaughey in 
what you think you might, as far as like what you wanted from it when you might have seen this trailer, or when you hear he's going to do a Harmony Corinne film that involves like a bunch of drugs and sex and just a trippy old good time. It's all there, and I think he totally like rises to the occasion, and gives you everything you want out of that performance, and it is just as fun and funny as Ben said, and it's a movie where you can just like go if you just want to. Really just, like I said, relax and have a great time. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to just add big picture before I we jump off and talk a little bit more about the specifics. But I wanted to like give a little bit of a primer for anyone that's like, huh, what is that Beach Bum thing? And if they want to go away and watch it, they can do so and come back. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say big picture. If you really loved Spring Breakers, you're probably going to love the Beach Bum too. And I think it does kind of a very similar thing in terms of taking – these classical notions of poetics or fantasy or kind of the fairy tale structure and transposing those onto very modern, arguably crass imagery and elements. It's definitely in the same vein. It's a lot funnier though. It's a lot wilder and it's arguably as dark as it can be. It is in a lot of ways, a pure fantasy. And I also Um, think optimistic in some ways too, though. Yeah, I would agree. It's a very innocent movie on some level, too. Which is very weird when all the stuff happens in this movie does, but like, there's certainly a, a version that much, like, is much less innocent. You know, I'll just say it right now. We'll, we'll go away if you haven't seen it and you don't want us to hear any spoilers, even though, like Ben has said, this is kind of a plotless movie in certain ways that you really, in some ways, can't have spoiled, but there are like some fairly surprising things that happen early on that I just want to jump off and talk about. So again, I don't, you can, you can listen to everything we're going to say and it's still just as worth going as it would be otherwise. But I just wanted to give everyone that benefit if they are someone that's like very spoiler averse. So, uh, here's your fair warning, go away, come back later. Uh, basically I think it was, it is surprising any time in a movie where like you have a, a cast that's pretty loaded in some ways, but you have a star that looks like it's going to be as central to the movie as Isla Fisher is in this one. And that is like a, a fantasy of a night in some sense when she goes away and uh, a third of the way through the movie. Uh, Alyssa, how did you, how did you take it when that happened? And were you kind of worried that this was going to turn into a, a different kind of movie? And how did you think it pivoted from that? Right. I feel, I, I thought Isla's actually going to make it through. And so we're, we're doing spoilers, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're okay, good okay. now. So I thought I was going to make it through after the car crash, but it was just so, it just added on to the like debauchery of it, of just her like dying right away after she says hi. But um, I thought she was going to be a main character, you know, she's a, she's was central. And when they kind of killed her off, it became a little bit more serious, but it didn't in a way, because um, I feel like there's a sort of bad fantasy, but it's a fantasy that like, you know, but they loved each other. So I was going to make a comment that, you know, a lot of husbands sometimes, like their wives so they kind of wish that kind of happened to them so like they're kind of free but in a way it only added to how much they actually loved each other which I thought was actually really touching in the end to see her go and like he he finished his novel because of her and I think I let them I loved I know everyone says it was really long but I love the montage of the two of them dancing on the docks to I 100% agree with you I I was I forgot the song title was it's a it's it's blanking right now, but, um, just the whole reenactment was like, it was like a little like romance comedy in the middle of all of it. But, um, I think Isla was great. I love, I kind of love the affair with Snoop Dogg and how just like open everything was. Um, well, was but, it open to Moondog at first? Yeah. I don't know if it was open to Moondog, but the way he took it, I don't know. It was a, it was kind of like a champ, but I saw a lot of people criticizing the film 
in terms of like how women were portrayed in it. But I also think like no one's watching a har- like a Harmony Korine film for like feminism and like a great representation of women. But I also felt like I didn't think about that at all because it's a fantasy world in a sense that like everything is worked into it and weaved that way. So I, I didn't really feel, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird line well, to add well, to that. Uh, one, um, one other thing I thought the movie did that was really interesting that I think it like really added to her character even after yeah. she died was that she does the thing where she writes him out of the will till she finishes his novel. Right. And I think that shows like, look, on the surface, yeah, this might be just be some woman character that's like there uh, to like have sex in front of a servant and right. – uh, just enable this man's lifestyle, but at the same time, it shows that, like, she really got who he was as a person, and the fact that, like, she didn't seem like the kind of person that might have, like, some will that was well thought out, but it turns out she really understood who he was as a person and truly did care about him and have his best interest at heart. Yeah, and she was ultimately there till the end, too, because even when he finally writes the book, he's always thinking of her. Like, it's never... She doesn't really go away in that regard, just her, like, physical form, I feel like, obviously, vanishes, but... Yeah, and aside from his daughter, who we can talk about some, there really isn't, like, a... Yeah. There really aren't any other female characters, I guess, that really play a huge role. Uh, ben, what did you think of her presence throughout the movie, even after she wasn't there anymore? Um, well, yeah, no, I, I, I really didn't know what was going to happen after she died. Um, I had kind of that similar feeling like, oh, is this about to take a very sharp turn? But I don't know. I, we, I do agree we still felt her presence hanging over him throughout the movie. And I think part of the innocence and part of the lightness of the movie is that they're able to, pro- like, the characters and Moondog specifically are able to process their grief and loss in a healthy way. And I think, like, the ultimate kind of celebration of that was the scene with him and Snoop Dogg later on talking about their memory of her, which was such a <laughs> weird scene on the surface, but it was just kind of beautiful to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, on the surface, they're, they're talking about, like, how, how their penises look in her hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it it felt like more and but like kind of beyond what they were actually talking about. Yeah. It was the celebration of their memory and the celebration of her in their memory. Exactly. And it felt like <laughs> yeah. You know, if if only we could process our grief in that healthy of a way, I guess. And and you know in um, general guys aren't the best at talking about their feelings and yep. I don't know if you ever I mean can confirm yeah, <laughs> and uh, I guess in movies, maybe it, there are obviously are plenty of scenes throughout the history of film where guys express their feelings, but, uh, you know, it's not like it's something that, you know, when you think about, like, your uh, favorite scenes where it's just, like, two friends talking to each other and really expressing their feelings. I can think of a lot more scenes where it's maybe, like, a son and a dad, but as far as, like, two friends is genuinely, like, breaking down how they feel about a situation – I don't know how many really come to mind. So it's just kind of funny that in a Harmony Corinne movie, as odd as this one, you have, like, of all actors, like Snoop Dogg, like, confessing that some of this guilt that he has felt about that and saying, like, Mm. but also at the same time being like, but, like, man, it was, like, real sexual situations. And (laughs) it's like, that's, like, that's what a scene in which Snoop Dogg bears his heart really looks like. And I just kind of thought it was funny that that's where Harmony Corinne decided to go with it, you know? Actually, one other thing with Isla Fisher's character is you can argue that she's a fairly interesting inversion of kind of the traditional notion of a muse. Because, I mean, she very clearly is, on some level, Moondog's muse. Mm -hmm. But she's not kind of the passive character who basically puts up 
puts up with his shit despite how much it hurts her. She cuts him out of the will and basically forces him to get off his ass and get shit done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, whether that is a perfect s- subversion of that, I don't really know if I can say. You can, I think you can argue about problematic aspects of that, too. But it was an interesting direction for him to take it, and I thought it actually, even in her death, gave her a level of agency that I think a lesser movie might not have given her. Right. Making her making her the breadwinner, you know? That too, yeah. Well, I don't know if she's a breadwinner so much as she comes from a family with a ton of money. But right. <laughs> but still I another small moment I wanted to shout out before we just get to the rest of the the rest of the movie. Uh you know, I wish I had mentioned this before I told the other people to go away because I think it really encapsulated like it was like a small moment that like it just it, it was I laughed almost harder than like any other moment in the movie and it doesn't it's not a spoiler but the moment where they where they first encounter each other he comes up in the dock and it's like oh wow like this guy's married it's almost like the it's almost like the end of the Mad Men, Mad Men pilot where it's like oh man this guy this guy's actually married that's been going around and like doing all this like crazy stuff it's, I mean obviously two totally different things but it was it was kind of supposed to be that kind of surprise it's like hey what the hell is this like he has like this beautiful wife in his massive house when he's been slumming it in the keys and then they go into the house and they're laying on the couch and a butler serves him a pbr on a silver platter and i i just lost it and i was like oh my god like that's that's the world we're in right now and, the, and it wasn't like they went to like a reaction shot of her or anything like that in my moment but the fact that like that was normal to her, and like she accepts accepts him as being the kind of person that would accept a PBR and a silver platter. Like I think that was like a small moment that one it cracked me up, but two it like said a lot about the relationship. And I, I thought I just thought it was like a really cool like quick thing. Yeah, as much as they really loved having sex with other people, it was arguably a healthier relationship than we t- than we typically see. It's a, it's a, a, a very solid point. So, uh, I, I, yeah, but I, I I just think it was really interesting how. Uh, you, the movie takes that left turn, but at the same time, doesn't stop being the movie that you wanted it to be. So that I think that brings me to like, what did you guys have any thoughts on uh, Moon Dogs' um, brush with the, uh, the the state court system in the state of Florida? And just, I mean, I get, I'm trying to remember. Like, so they they ransack the house, and then he he ends up in, he ends up in court, and then all of a sudden he's in rehab. So I guess there's yeah. not really much to say about the court. It was a funny scene where he went back and forth with that judge but i'm not sure there's a ton to say about it so i mean if, if you guys have you want anything you want to chime in on that then feel free to do so but if not i kind of want i kind of really want to talk about zach efron i was gonna say you're uh, the lawyer this is probably a question for you josh <laughs> yeah and i've, I've i mean I've, I've been in court i'm not a criminal lawyer but i have been in courtrooms in miami and i will just say i don't <laughs> i haven't come across a judge in my time practicing law in south florida that i think would would, would uh humor him as much as uh, that judge did and before deciding to like actually give him some kind of uh, punishment, if you will, yes. so I, I I just I don't they don't think I'm on to add a lot of insight. I, I just thought that I, got, I I certainly got a kick out of that scene and just how like Moondog could not pull it together. But even funnier is that like I don't, how many hours do you think he spends at that rehab facility? I mean, not that the passage of time is really like that important, though. I think it is kind of interesting to how this movie flows, but like. He's at that rehab facility for presumably at least 24 hours, and he is still, like, there's not a moment in this movie where he's not altered. I just thought it was funny. It wasn't even like, oh, man, he seems more sober at any point. Really. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's the drugs, but it's also, that's just him. Yeah. I mean, if you, you threw him in a, in a room for a week and just, like, took him out after, he wouldn't suddenly be, like, normal. He would, like, Moondog is Moondog. Yeah. Um, 
Right. Well, um, I guess what I, I guess what I guess what I, I then want to ask then because I mean before, I mean obviously like uh, Zac Efron is uh, he's on one in this movie and I mean that in the best way possible. But is there like a I, I think one of the cool things you can say about this movie, I mean, even though it's because because it is so plotless, like you really don't know what's going to happen next at like any point. And I feel like there are just lots of movies that I talk about on this podcast that are of a genre, and you can kind of see the beats, even if it's not like wholly predictable. And I think it's kind of cool that it's like, what is going to happen? Did I, I, for all I knew, we could have gotten like twenty minutes of him like sitting in like AA circles or something like no, that. No, the, the the way the movie flows, it like it feels almost improvised. I mean, it like it feels. Like obviously this isn't what happened, but it feels like Harmony Corinne just kind of took a camera out and started sending Matthew McConaughey to go talk to the weirdest people he could find and just kind of filmed it. And, but that, that kind of like freedom and that just like very light, plotless, flowing quality, it kind of, it really kind of emphasized the beauty and just the, the innocence of the movie. There's no weight of societal obligations. There's no weight of plot obligations. It's it's just free, yeah, and so, it's so, it's free to drift along with Moondog. That's a great point because I I, I was trying to talk about the Zac Efron stuff, and I didn't know the best way to get into it. But you, they quickly break out of this. There's not a whole lot to be said about what they do when they're still in the rehab facility because they're not really there for that long. They bond and they're like, all right, let's fuck shit up, and then they go to they're just wandering around. I guess this is just various parts of like skeevier parts of Miami, I suppose. I don't exactly know where they are because they're not like on South Beach necessarily, but they're, this whole movie is in South Florida, the Keys. And you see them walking around doing some kind of awful things, you know, like they're stealing money, beating people up, that kind of stuff. And the movie doesn't really come to a like screeching halt at all to be like, this is wrong or something like that. So I think that goes with what you're saying about you kind of like, it's being like freed from any kind of like societal expectations of how you act and you're just along for the ride. Uh, Lisa, what did you think where all of a sudden you've like Moondog has been largely lovable for most of the movie and Zac mm-hmm. Efron looks like he's just going to be some kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, crazy graphic tea wearing uh, drugged up guy. But at that point he's just kind of like, Oh, this is kind of fun. I'm watching Zac Efron go for it. But then all of a sudden, they're doing, like, these terrible things. So what are you thinking as, like, you're watching the movie kind of take that turn, but at the same time, maybe not being as dark, feeling as dark as it possibly could? Yeah, I think Zach Efron's character was, like, a fever dream because by the time he came into the film, he just left. But <laughs> him wearing Jinko jeans was probably the best option they could have done. I don't know what was better, better the, the Jinko jeans or the Panini hair, honestly. But Oh, the hair. The hair. <laughs> I, I, so good. I think I had that thought, too. I mean... That was like, man, that kind of looks like a panini press. But then I actually read the story afterward. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I think I think I had that thought in the movie. I, I don't I don't want to give myself too much credit, but I think I my mind might have briefly gone there, and I'm like, wow, that was actually a thing they did. Yeah, you're also, like, you might side, be in the somewhere. <laughs> side note, but clearly Harmony Korine really likes uh, casting former High School Musical stars. Ah, yes, because uh, Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, yeah, uh, and just Spanish. having them play very different roles from from their past work. What's kind of roles. funny is that, like, Zac Efron, in a way, I mean, maybe not more so than Matthew McConaughey, but he is, like, straight going for it, like, more than, like, most people in this movie, just going doing something really balls to the wall. He's, he's more of a caricature, I would say. Um, right. Like, whereas Moondog, as strange and out there as he is, there is still a core to his character and a core to his identity, whereas a lot of the people he meets along the way, they're cartoonish. And like, that's not a bad thing, because they are meant to be these cartoonish, larger-than-life fantastic people who 
feel like a mix of high fantasy and clearly South Florida. True. But but yeah, they, they, they kind of they are purely cartoonish, and I think they, they need to be. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny that you use that word though, because that, what I was going to mention was that they they they've been in uh, Matthew McConaughey and Zac Efron have been in a movie together before that was also a Florida movie, and that movie was uh, Lee Daniels' The Paperboy, which is uh, a- absolutely crazy movie, and not a n- not as good of a movie as this movie, but like still like it's just worth it alone for like to watch Nicole Kidman be the one that straight up goes for it in that movie. So and Zac Efron, out of maybe all the characters in that movie that I can remember, it's been a few years since I've seen it. He's kind of the straight man. So it's just kind of funny that now he and Matthew McConaughey are in a different Florida movie, and he's the one playing like a crazy caricature. And I I, I, I enjoyed at least having that thought as that crossed my mind because The Paperboy is a movie that I look back on fondly, even if I don't exactly think it's great. But yeah, as Lissa said, uh, it feels like Zac Efron is gone almost as soon as he shows up in this movie, which is maybe for the best. It's almost like a character like that you want to don't want to overuse. He can be he's in it the right amount, and I would argue then we almost move on to like a more entertaining character. And I think it's been like it's been a minute since we've seen Martin Lawrence in a movie, guys. So uh, Ben, what were your thoughts when he showed up in this? And I don't. I guess you might have known he was going to be in it beforehand, but when you hear Martin Lawrence is going to be in a Harmony Corinne movie, like what is that? How do you even process that? So I kind of knew as little about the movie as possible going in. I knew Martin Lawrence was in it. Yeah. I'd like, but I had no idea what to expect, and I kind of wanted it. I, I liked it better that way. <laughs> and God, God bless Martin Lawrence for just everything that happened in this movie. <laughs> um, I, 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 he was probably the character. Other than Moondog, the character I love the most. <laughs> there's, there's just something so pure about him. Whether it is him feeding cocaine to a parrot, which is still just one of my favorite things I've seen <laughs> so long. Or just this really pure, innocent love he has for, for the dolphins. No matter, no matter what happens to him, he just has this pure and innocent love for the dolphins. <laughs> and it's just, it's amazing. It's also great is that and, he, and, he, gen- he, he genuinely, like... He, he, it doesn't. He keeps talking about the fact he was in Vietnam, which is like okay. I was about to bring that up. <laughs> he's obviously lying about like he's not that old, but yeah. like it still doesn't feel like it's like that sinister <laughs> of a lie or anything. It's just like a thing he likes to talk about. I don't know. It's no, just, look, I the, my kind of like headcanon for this, like whatever actually happened. This is like what I imagine happened. At some point, his character was just in the country of Vietnam. <laughs> like maybe he like went there on a trip. Maybe he uh, was just passing through or something. But yeah, he just happened to be in Vietnam at some point. So now he just tells like people about how he was in Vietnam. Did you enjoy? Hanging Tell out? me that doesn't sound like something that character would do. <laughs> uh, no, no, it, it totally makes sense when you think about what he's like as a person. Uh, Lisa, uh, what did you think like about uh, about that whole sequence or just the family's reaction to him? Right now, from now that I'm kind of uh, retracing my steps, now I kind of understand why QS is probably upset with this film because. I mean, for me, like from be- like being in a South Florida like tourist town, like that part was my favorite because the way like Martin Lawrence described like selling these tourists like tickets to go see dolphins, I was like, th- this is some shit that would actually happen. Like tourists <laughs> will buy anything to come like go on the boat for like two hours and they'll pay so much money. So I love that. And how I mean, I didn't get that. I mean, I guess. I guess I, he loved the dolphins, but from my point of view, I thought it was more of like a capitalist thing. Like I love that he was just bullshitting these tourists to like go out and see that. And I, I like the kind of 360 of it that he actually got eaten by sharks. So <laughs> I think it was uh, both. I mean, like just the look in his face when he was swimming out to find the, yeah. the dolphins. 
Like everyone else realized it was sharks. I think we yeah. realized it. We like the oh, audience yeah. could see the shark fins before the people on the boat even process it. And then it's everyone is like, I mean, like like Ben said, it's like there's this innocence where he is so genuinely excited to see the dolphins. It's like yeah. all the much more heartbreaking for him that it's so much more evident to all of us that much earlier that they are not dolphins. Oh my I, I think Hitchcock said once that suspense is when the audience knows what's about to happen before the characters. So yeah. I think what that means is the Beach Bum is the most suspenseful movie of the year. That forget yeah. Jordan Peele, Harmony Corinne is our new Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, That's what you're trying Jordan to say. <laughs> I mean, I think I have different feelings about us than you, so I would agree with that. But uh... oh, okay, well, man. Uh, I mean, Lisa and I already uh, talked about that one a lot, so let's not waste more time on that. And we can we can infer from that what we will. But uh, but yeah, so he legit gets his uh, leg bitten off. And I'm man, like talk about things in this movie like feeling so real. It's like almost at the same time, like yes, this movie has some kind of um, it obviously has what in a, in certain ways feels like a fantasy, but then at certain points, like man, like is this actually happening? You know, like it's like wow, like we're like looking at a, uh, like a just a bitten off leg, and uh, then we're there, and then I guess Moondog really like just. Uh, I guess he actually goes and finds lingerie, Snoop Dogg, again after that. But I think at that point, the movie, like, does go into, like, a little bit more of his, um, he finds him in a more wayward place for a time there. And it's just a bit, uh, another, like, it's kind of like a meandering point in the movie. But, like, I think when a movie is, like, kind of set, uh, like, so clearly kind of establish what it wants its vibe to be, that almost doesn't bother me at all. Like, I feel like sometimes movies kind of have, like, weird digressions and they lose me in their third act. But I'm like, all right, I'm just going to hang out with you and see where you end up now that you've, like, one of your few friends left is is now like indisposed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, once once you're in with Moondog, you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, and and I didn't know if it like we were supposed to take it as at some point earlier in the movie. You know, he goes up to the yacht that uh, Snoop Dogg's on, and the bodyguards just kind of like they shoo him away. And I didn't know if that was like uh, Laundre not wanting to be associated with him anymore after Isla Fisher's death. But then like he finds his way back, and we get to hang out with Jimmy Buffett. So. Uh, what, what did you guys think of uh, having the presence of someone just like Jimmy Buffett just hanging out in this movie? Not being from Florida, Jimmy Buffett probably meant a lot less to me than it did to you guys. But just for, for me, like, it was just kind of, and look, now Jimmy Buffett's here. Okay, why not? Just embrace, right. just embrace everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, for me, it could have been Jimmy Buffett. It could have been Lindsay Lohan. It could have <laughs> been... Uh, some I, I don't even know. It could have been like anyone, just kind of re- weird. Could have been, and it could have been Morgan Freeman. Who knows? Yeah, could have been Morgan Freeman. <laughs> but I know that I, I, I'm sure there is something more particular for like the Florida of it all. Yeah, I, I mean, I think well, Jimmy Buffett's uh, a little bit more for. I, I mean, he has like his Margaritaville hotels around Florida. Has one of them on Pensacola Beach, and has like spent a decent amount of time just on the Gulf Coast. Actually, where I'm from, I think even he's probably a little more associated with that than he is with South Florida, but. I'm not, like, the biggest music person to begin with. So uh, a lot of people that I know from back home, that might have even meant more to them just to see him in that element. But, you know, I kind of agree that it's, like, when you're already on this journey with this movie, like, you're just kind of happy to have, like, anyone show up. And if it's someone that's as as game to play along with a Harmony Corinne movie, which, I mean, I just don't know if anyone would ever have thought to put them together, like Harmony Corinne, Jimmy Buffett. Like, that's just an odd combination of things right there. But, you know, it's, like, whatever works like once you're already like down to just like uh take 
ha- let t- grab like let Harmony Corinne grab you and take you wherever he wants to. And that was just like cool. I want to hang out on the yacht a little more because I that's it's just a chill place. We didn't even really talk about like the getting to see Snoop Dogg special pot that grows on a specific farm in Jamaica. But it did feel like at one point like the movie's just like it's kind of like surreal when he's first showing Moondog that. But at the same time, like man, I don't know if we really fully got the vibe out with uh, Snoop like we could have, and he, they give well, us that. That actually brings me to kind of an interesting point. Yes. Um, like, I, I kind of refer to the movie as a fantasy right. um, a lot throughout this. And, like, honestly, even more than a comedy, it's, like, that's what the genre of the movie is to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it is this impossible world, and it feels almost like these kind of classical fabulous elements are replaced with kind of modern low culture. Mm-hmm. And it's finding the fantasy and finding the impossibility and finding the surreality in things like Snoop Dogg and his magic weed. Or like, uh, or Moondog having sex with a woman in a bathroom of like a Keys restaurant. You joke, yeah. Which was extremely surreal. No, it was. Yeah, no, and that's that's the point, and it, that's something that I really like about Harmony Corinne in general, and something that, that I really liked about Spring Breakers, which I I was a big fan of, which is part of why I was really looking forward to the Beach Bum. Mm-hmm. But so that's that's kind of like the feeling I got overall of the movie. Of this, it's it is this pure fantasy to me in like the most real and sublime way. Right. It's it's an, it's an impossible world, even more than kind of we see in a lot of modern fantasy films. I mean, I agree. Like, uh, as the movie does kind of move past some of the craziest shenanigans, like I think uh, once we're past that Martin Lawrence act, I mean, obviously the, the movie kind of goes out with a literal and figurative bang in certain ways. Yeah. But uh, what what did you think about how the? Uh, well, actually, I, I take that back because like some crazy stuff does happen. I'm just like it's it's, I, and I know I should I shouldn't be relying on you guys to remind me of that because I see uh, I see blind Rasta landing the plane. Yeah, I know. I was like, I, all of a sudden, uh, like I, that 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 came back to me. I'm like, I shouldn't be relying on you guys. I saw the movie more recently than both of you, but I I mean, what what, what did you, what did you think? Where all of a sudden it's like we're hanging out on the, we're hanging out on the boat. We're just it seems like he's kind of like back with Snoop Dogg, and all of a sudden like you know like why not like have a a blind guy fly a plane because everything's going to be okay. Yeah. It just adds to the fun of it. I think, I don't know if that was exactly meant to like make a point or anything, but it just adds to the craziness of the world and like how fun it is. That's, that's what I think. No, I, I 100% agree. And I think like, if you're looking for everything in the movie to be like making a point, yeah, like you're, you're reading the movie the wrong way because it is just this collect, like this collection of things Overall, it's not like a collection of like symbols that each translate to like a very specific message that Harmony Corinne is trying to communicate. Like that's just not what the movie is. Yeah, and I, and I, I certainly wasn't asking you guys to like comment on that, but it's more just like, what do you do with a movie like this? You know, I mean, like I don't want to just skip over the part where the where the where the where the, where the blind where the blind guy flies the plane and uh, right. they they evade the cops, but like you know, you take it for what it is. You you enjoy like wow, that's really fun. I'm in, I'm yeah. enjoying watching that, and then he's there. So it's like I felt obligated to like let you guys comment on something when something that bonkers no, sure. happens but like yeah. I, I, I can't I can only ask you to say so much but I, I, I didn't want to just like ignore it because like that was pretty freaking weird weird you know yeah <laughs> um, kind of like going off of that I don't know if you guys felt this way too but I, after the end of the film I kind of felt like w- like clichely inspired if that makes sense like I would yeah like everything that happened was so fun and it only added to kind of like a confidence boost because I feel like going back to the, it being this kind of world, like everything was so exaggerated to the point of like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be writing this or I should be having this kind of fun or letting whatever go. So I think going off of the pilot and him being able to fly, even though he has glyco- like glaucoma, that kind of I mean, obviously, I don't recommend anyone do that. But 
just the fun of it was like kind of inspiring which I think all they all added to the same element. Well, you talk about yeah. inspiration. And so one thing I, I feel like we should have mentioned by now, though, and I want to ask you guys about, like, what did you think about his relationship with his daughter? Because, I mean, I certainly think, like, there's, like, a version of this movie not made by someone that's not Harmony Corinne where it's, like, everyone in this guy's life is just, like, it's, it's dominated by everyone in his life trying to put him on the straight and narrow. And yeah. obviously his daughter wants him to do that. That's why she kind of cuts him off, too, and won't just enable his lifestyle. Uh, but at the same time, like, it's not like a bitter scene. You're not watching this – this, she's not everywhere being a wet blanket throughout the whole movie. It's even kind of played for laughs where she's like, yeah, Dad, you were right. That guy I married was a loser uh, later in the movie. So she's uh, not – The specific term I think you're looking for is limp dick. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so it's kind of funny. Like, I thought – I was like, wow, I, 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 I kind of maybe saw that character going, like, a different way. But, like, she's, she, she, she serves her purpose, and they actually kind of have a sweet relationship even, yeah. even when he like, nearly ruins her wedding. Like, what did you right. think that, what did, how do you think that informed the character? Um, oh, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I was just, again, like, a lot of what this movie was is for, for Moondog and possibly for Harmony Corinne too, what would the world be like if everything was perfect and everything just worked in the way you wanted it to? Um, the people you had in your life, your relationships were what you wanted them to be. Like his daughter loved him and wanted him to finish his book. Yeah. And the thing that brings them back together and that kind of shows the, the strength of the relationship, he finishes his book. She leaves the her her husband and who he didn't like and he who he didn't think was good for her. And it's just, I mean, it's for this particular character. What would the world be like if things were just perfect, if things just all worked out the way they were supposed to? If money didn't matter, if uh, inspiration came from the world the way you wanted it to? What um, if the world was just perfect? Right. And kind of adding on to that, too, I think, like, if I don't want to be, like, film bro and be like, you should have viewed the film this way, but, like... You know, I think a lot of people are viewing the film like, okay, well, Snoop Dogg had an affair with, you know, Moondog's wife, and that's terrible. And for the daughter, she had a quote-unquote maybe, like, deadbeat dad. But then kind of going back to what you guys brought up with how, in reality, Snoop Dogg and Moondog's relationship was very communicative, and they were open, and they kind of grieved together, and that was healthy. And I did, like, I really appreciated the healthy relationship that the daughter and Moondog had because, like, in reality, that's kind of the best situation in in, in a kind of relationship like that. So, um, and I, I, it was realistic. Like a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have the most functioning dads, and sometimes like it it, it works out that way. That like you respect that person, you kind of grow as a relationship. And I, I really appreciated their kind of like dynamic because it felt real. And even though it was kind of fantasy, it felt like it, it was kind of the one of the more like deeper wholesome parts of the films in my opinion like i actually like a uh, spoiler but um we're talking about spoilers anyways but the scene where moondog got in the pool and he was like holding up the joint during the wedding like <laughs> that was great and he got up and he hugged his daughter and they embraced like as he was just like soaking wet i like teared up like i got that lump in my throat and i was like oh my god this is so sweet because it was such an accepting i think of, i did like, too i think like, that yeah. was like the closest i came to getting emotional yeah, it was a okay. really sweet moment yeah i was like why am i crying in this like comedy but you know it was really embraceive of like that they accepted each other for who they were and they knew who they were and like how they were going to get through their relationship. Another, so. another good example of that was when like, she's willing to just like stop for him to get a beer on the way to rehab. Yeah. And she's, kinda, she's just like, sure. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I guess you need this and you're right. going to read, not that rehab worked, but like she, yeah. like that, that she kind of like was okay doing that for him. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, not it doesn't look like a traditional model of like a healthy relationship, but not everyone is the same. Mm-hmm. And for these particular characters, that was it, their maybe this was what the healthy version of their relationship looked like. Exactly. Yeah, I want just quickly, guys, on the the well, I'm not saying I'm trying to rush you off, but just uh, the last thing I had, the last thing I wanted to ask you about though was that final sequence where he is, he gets back to the keys after he uh, escapes on the plane, and he all of a sudden finishes his book and he wins a Pulitzer. Uh, another <laughs> hilarious moment in the movie for me is when he gets up and he's gonna actually like, read the poem that wins a Pulitzer, <laughs> and it's like two lines about uh, having sex with his wife, and that's pretty much it. And then he then he's off and. He, he gets his money because uh, he uh, completed what was set out for him in the will, and then he uh, just torches it, uh, literally. Uh, and, and Ben, you were just mentioning how, like, you know, part of what the movie's getting at is like, hey, what if we, what if we did live in this world where everything was just kind of like uh, euphoric? It was a utopia. Money doesn't matter. And I think that's in a way kind of what it's getting at, where he's literally just like lighting all this money on fire. But uh, what, what, it, what did that, that just final like? Four minutes of the movie mean to you, really? It was just celebratory. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pure joy for me. And and I think part of what I loved about that last moment of him setting the money on fire, it wasn't like... I think I've seen some people take it as Harmony Corinne saying, you should all do this because you should all like go live like Moondog and like go set your money on fire because money doesn't matter. Like He's not saying that. It's just the point is in this world where the poetics and the joy are so prevalent. It's the journey that mattered for Moondog. The money was not what mattered. Mm -hmm. And what happens next in this world after the credits roll doesn't matter because that's not in the movie. And I think, like, if you want to, like, kind of... Any statement to be taken away from it is the money was not the reward. The, The writing and the joy, like, that was the reward. And he turned the money and he turned getting the money into just another adventure and another bizarre incident in his life. Right. And while up until the, like, the events of the movie, it's implied he'd like largely been enabled by uh, his wife's fortune and now he's uh, torched away. And you, and you can say like after the credits roll, like, Oh, well now he, like he doesn't have his wife's money. He doesn't have his own money. He's going to go like die in a ditch. I kind of feel like his life is not going to change one bit actually. And, and which also, is kind of also, what, even if that were the case, it wouldn't matter because that's not in the movie. Right, yeah. yeah, but like, I, I just kind of think the point of it is like he, he, he wanted to, he really saw a lot of purpose in going through life and just uh, seeing through every impulse, living this hedonistic lifestyle, and I kind of just feel like he is such a personality that you know, he, I, and again, like you said, it does happen off screen, but I feel like he would have been able to do it no matter, almost regardless of the money, as long as he was true to himself. And I that, agree. And, and that, that's kind of how I took the ending. Uh, listen, did you, you know, have It's any... funny. You had me on for both this and The Old Man and the Gun. Ooh, that, which, was... Ooh, that is a really good connection that you just made, I think. Um, um, which I think both have very interesting observations on what it means to just kind of find value and joy and fulfillment in life. And how we want to sp- – yeah, just how we want to spend the time yeah. we have on this planet. And I, 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 I'm really glad you brought that up because I hadn't even really made mm-hmm. that connection. and. I uh, hadn't written my letterbox review yet, so I might steal that at point. Uh, Lisa, Lisa, did you have any fine points on the end of this movie? I know, that's tough, because Ben kind of wrapped it up really neatly with a bow. <laughs> um, I At first, when the kind of first ending happened, I was like, oh, shit, like, how appropriate. They're going to, like, kind of kill him, like, he finished it. But then when you see that he actually survives with a kitten, I was like, I was like, ah, got him. I was like, mm-hmm. no way. Like, that was like, that was like, I like the kind of, like, fake 
cop out like ending because then you realize like nah Moondog's always gonna be this way and like that kind of goes on to like how like you all kind of agree that I think he continues on like the money isn't the issue it's more like Moondog is a mentality you know like um it, it's like a way of life and I think he'll he'll prevail the same way he did before like you think kind of I think that's kind of where Harmony gets you is because you think the whole mentality of him trying to finish his novel is the money when in reality it's the adventure along the way and like getting something out because he's the, he used the same poem I think that he did during that like one contest right mm-hmm. wasn't it the same poem at the oh, end that in the middle where Jimmy Buffett was like introducing it or he he had I'm rec- not sure no, I can't remember. But maybe it's, it's, I, I think it's been the longest since I've seen this movie, so you guys probably have it a little fresher in your heads. Yeah, and it, if, if, that, if that is good catch on your part, but I didn't catch it either, so yeah, whatever. Maybe I'm putting it wrong, but you know, I think that, that the, the ending was such like the perfect ending, and him ending on the boat in the middle of nowhere, just like kind of like where to next, you know, like what's the next adventure for him, and like that's where it kind of ends, and like, I think that's where your curiosity kind of grows after it, and like leaves you with this like sweet like chef's kiss feeling, so. No, I, I think that's really well said, and again, I I honestly think someone could have listened to this entire thing and not seen the movie and still go see the movie and get just as much out of it as they would have if they had just never listened to us talk. And, I would agree. It's a pure experience. Right, and I, you know, and I kind of mentioned at the beginning before we, like, went off into, oh, this is spoilers territory, that I don't really think it does this movie justice to, like, try and talk about it in terms of a normal plot. It's just, like, it's just such a movie that, like, it's such an experience uh it's such an all-out, like, experience that just overcomes you that I, I didn't really know where to start. So I just kind of thought, well, let's just talk about each of these experiences in the movie as it went. And But the, the fact is, like, it's just so much to take in uh, visually and to witness these performances and these crazy moments that, like, as much as we can try and describe them and talk about how much we enjoyed them, we can't truly do it justice. So I just think that... It, it is such its own thing that is definitely worth seeing. And if you if you were like me and thought, like, oh, man, like, I'm going to see some, like, dark, fucked-up shit because that's what I know Carmine Corinne from. I know him from kids, and I know him from Spring Breakers, and so much horrible stuff happens here. Uh, this, it's not that kind of movie. Like, I think it is his own movie in, his, in, a, in, a, in a way, but, like, don't think you're going to, like, get that kind of experience. You're going to get something, like, a lot more fun and heartfelt give it, despite some of, the, like, the crazy stuff that happens here, and I think Ben Enlisted did a good job of just explaining why that is. Uh, guys, uh, before we get out of here, uh, do you have any other... Uh, final things you'd like to plug or uh, what I've started all of a sudden doing over the last couple episodes is if anyone has any like not only personal things to plug but if there's something you're like hey people go watch this you can do that too so Lisa, if people want to like find your stuff or you want them to find anything where can they do that um I don't need any more followers because my ego is getting way too high but oh, you can find, I'm, I'm just messing um you can find me on twitter at Lisa Koshbakti and instagram at Lisa Koshbakti and Letterbox, I think I'm Lissa Lissa. I regret making my name that. But it's pretty easy to remember, though. Instead of having people to like have yeah. to remember how to spell your last name, like my, like I do, because I have to spell my last name on every single podcast because it's such a weird one. <laughs> like, wait, do I spell it? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, where can uh, where can people find anything you want them to find? Um, well, I'm not a big social media guy, as I've said, like every time I'm on this podcast. But yeah. I'm on Letterboxd as the plot is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to. Follow what I'll occasionally, like, remember to go say about movies on there. Yeah. Uh, check me out there. And just to plug something that has nothing to do with me, yeah. um, I'm going to be talking about this probably in a few weeks, but uh, there's a movie out now called High Life, which right. everyone just go see High Life. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, I, it's just amazing. Yeah, I was going to do that for you if no one did, because I haven't seen it yet, but Ben has, and he'll be, he'll be back talking about it at some point. 
And uh, it's a movie that I'm not totally sure how long it's going to hang around in theaters. So that's why I'm glad we're kind of like starting to get the word out now about it because uh, I, I hope people will watch it and I'm excited to see it. So, yeah. Yeah, and, just just quick quick plug. It's, it's the new A24 movie. It's directed by Claire Denis, who, if you haven't seen her stuff, she is one of the greatest directors in the world. It's like a sci-fi with Robert Pattinson. It's weird and strange and interesting and it's like it's it's going to blow your mind in the best way yeah not just robert pattinson but also andre 3000 right so, also andre 3000 yes yeah, so, yeah so it's just stacked. like a whole there's, there's, there's a stacked cast a very weird cast of characters um and so yeah everyone uh if you want to find me on letterbox i'm a few weeks behind so if you listen to the podcast you're already more cut up than uh, on my stuff than i am as far as posting it on letterbox but it's josh Jernavoy, j-o-s-h j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y same thing on twitter and uh yeah so uh next coming up next though uh stay tuned for possibly the highlight podcast i'm not sure if i'll have anything out before then so uh ben will be back next week uh this is gonna be back at some point in the next month or two i'm sure so guys thanks for joining me everyone stay tuned for that we'll see you next time bye